Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Greetings this lovely Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. What a joyful uh, time we've had together. Uh, Those of you that were able to be a part of the blessed union uh, between Elijah and Abby, now Abby Groff. How are you guys going to refer to her? Are you young kids going to start calling her Mrs. Groff? Wow, that'll be freaky, won't it? Uh, but it's a joyful thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. There will be days when we suffer and when we sorrow together. Uh, but then there are days like yesterday where we work alongside each other and we uh, just rejoice and are blessed and the many gifts of the church come together uh, and... Are, are, are seen in operation, people loving each other, people helping each other, being able to be a part of that time. I, I had a little special time yesterday that, for, that, was, that was just a gift of God for me personally uh, that you guys didn't get to be a part of. And I had those two, and they were right there in front of me, and they were like two feet away, and they were just crying. And, and, and I was just thinking like, oh, what a beautiful, precious thing. They're taking this so seriously and they're just drinking this moment in and, and they're just shutting out the world and they know that what they're about to embark on is an incredible journey. Amen? Amen. And I'm very thankful that I got to be and play you know, my part in all of that and I got to enjoy it. You know, God doesn't just make our life about words. What God does is he makes our life a song and a poem. Amen? He doesn't just give us life, but he gives us life more abundantly. He gives us cups that overflow. He gives us joy that we can't contain. Blessings, the Bible says, he pours out blessings upon us that we can't contain. When, when Christ uh, was there with these disciples who had been fishing all night, he didn't just fill their nets, right? <laughs> Here they were, they were trying to get him in the boat and they, they'd been fishing all night with nothing. And God could have just said, let me meet this need. But no, it was like, oh no. And, and the boat almost sunk under the weight of the blessings. I'm sure it was way more than they 
needed because God doesn't just meet our needs. He gives us so much more. Psalm 148, our call to worship says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens and praise Him from the heights. Praise Him all ye angels and praise Him all ye hosts. Praise ye Him sun and moon and praise Him all ye stars of light. Praise Him in the heavens of heavens. Praise Him ye waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever and hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons of the deep, fire, hail, snow, vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling all of God's word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes, all the judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. He also exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all of his saints, even the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we are just overflowing with praise for you today, Lord, as you have opened the heavens and rain down water upon the earth so have you rained down your blessings upon us O god today we are thankful and we are joyful we rejoice in your mercy your goodness your kindness your wondrous creation all around us O lord the earth is about to be reborn again this spring is coming winter is coming to an end. May that be a visual for us, for this is what you are doing. You are bringing uh, a winter to end and spring is coming. The people of God and God's kingdom will fill the earth, not just like the waters cover the sea, but like the flowers cover the valleys and the hills, oh God. Lord, let the blooms of your beauty, Lord, let that be us, oh God. Let us be the trees of righteousness before you. Speak to us, your people, today that we would hear your voice and be changed by it, Lord, as the earth that was dark and void was changed at the utterance of your word. Speak to us, and where we are dark and void, lighten us and give us beauty. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I read for you the entirety of Psalm 65, which will be my text today. My sermon today is called The Poetry of Praise. Everybody say, The Poetry of Praise. praise. Psalm 65. To the chief musician, a psalm and song of David. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me, as for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, 
and cause us to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. By terrible things and righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all of the ends of the earth and of them that are far off upon the sea, which by his strength setteth fast the mountains, being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas and the noise of their waves and the tumult of the people. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and the evening to rejoice. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it, and thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast provided so for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly, and thou settlest the furrows thereof, and thou makest it soft with showers, and blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness, and thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks, and the valleys are covered over with corn, and they shout for joy, and they sing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the song of life. Death cannot prevail where you have spoken life. Oh, Lord, even in the ashes of destruction, Lord, there is life. That beauty that springs forth, the flowers that, that grow from the nutrients of that which is burned, oh God. Lord, you are an amazing and incredible God of life and birth and light and beautiful words. Thank you, Lord, for your beautiful words. The words that give us hope. Hope that one day the world will not be as it is, but that it will be as it was in the beginning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Praise is poetry, and true poetry is nothing short of praise. And today we're going to talk about the poetry of praise. Our God is a God of light and language, and that's why we who are made in His image imitate Him. We make light and we make lots of words. Amen? Do you know that some of us speak over 60,000 words a day? You might go, that's a lot of words. Yeah, that's about what the average woman speaks in a day. With gusts of up to 70 to 80,000, I have heard. Men speak fewer words, at least most of them. I am not among those men. And that might be the only way you might compare me to a woman. (laughs) When we come to know our creator, our words and all that we are make light as well. And we become the light of the world. Man makes fire and fire brings light and so much more. And there is no other animal that kindles fire. Right, Nathaniel? We were learning about this from what's that man's name? Vashon, I can't pronounce his name. He, he has a neat book. Is it called the book that changed the world or something like that? 
We make candles and we make light bulbs because we are made in the image of the one who looked at a darkened world and said, let there be light. You don't see a dog lighting a candle. You know, I'd like to maybe stay up late and chew on a few bones, you know. No. And we use words too because we were made in the image of the one who was the word made flesh. Amen. But our words are not merely given to us to communicate yes or no or left or right. In Myanmar, it's funny. They don't have a word, uh, Andy, they don't have a word for straight. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have a word for straight? Because I, I, t- I was trying to give them directions, you know. They don't have a word for it. They're like, you just go straight. You don't have to be told to go straight. I'm like, I, I know, but we have left, we have right, and we have straight. We don't have that word. If you want me to go left, go left. If not, if you just don't talk, I'll just keep going straight. I'm like, I know, but you need a word for it, you know? But words weren't just meant to communicate left or right, up or down. They, they can truly communicate God's truth, which gives birth to faith in the hearts of men who were dead. Amen. Do you understand God's plan? He gives us words not just to go, ugh, fire, warm, food. But the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it's important. The words that come out of our mouth, because out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Is your mouth watering the world? Is it bringing faith or are you just left, right, up, down, ugh? Our words are not merely words. They are praise to God. And as our joy springs forth, Deep calling to deep. We do this in the poetry of praise. As we get to Psalm 65, the reason why I uh, feel the Lord was leading me to talk about poetry comes actually not in the main body of the psalm, but in its inspired heading. It says, to the chief musician, a psalm and song of David. You see, Israel's worshiping guilds of excellence not only included highly skilled and orchestrated musical offerings of song and praise, but there we see something new here in this introduction and so far as it goes in the Psalter. Now, it's not new as in it's the first time we've seen poetry, but it's the first time it refers to it. What the inspired heading is saying, Sarah, is that this song is a song but it's just, it's a, it's a poem too. You ever heard somebody recite a poem? It's a powerful thing. Someone who's memorized it and, and who the words that invoke the pictures. And this psalm was a psalm that could be said or sung. Every line of the psalms is certainly poetic. However, this psalm must have been somehow more so. It was written in such a way that it could be part of their worship in a dramatic reading or sung. I was talking to some of the guys. I'm like, man, what do you mean if we could do that? And Luke reminded me, huh, if we could do it, we used to do it all the time. Some of you people that were part of the early church remember that people wrote poetry. And in the, in the worship, they would get up and they would read their poetry that God had been leaning on their heart. We did have a funny instance where someone actually... Uh, plagiarized a poem and pretended it was theirs. Uh, 
that wasn't so fun later. But during the time, it was the greatest poem ever. We were all like, this person is amazing. We did not know they had these kind of skills. And, and someone liked it so much that they thought maybe they didn't write it. And of course, they, they didn't write it. But that's another story. But we used to. We used to get together and people would get up. And that's what they had to offer. Not everybody can yodel. Not everybody can sing. Not everybody can tickle the ivories, as they say. Not everyone has the, you know, magical fingers that can play the stringed instruments. Some people have the gift of words. And that gift is a gift to the church. Amen? Luke is our resident poet. Now, I'm a poet too, but Luke, he puts it to music and I can't do that. You haven't heard a lot of my poems, but I write them once in a while. It's not sissy to write poetry, okay? Just for you young guys that are out there. In fact, you know what's funny? I think we have some poets here in the church. Uh, but I've been told that we cannot point them out, that it will embarrass them, and they don't want other young men knowing about that. But poetry is a high form of literature. It is a passionate gushing forth of the soul in words that vividly visualize the melodies and the harmonies of our emotions. The spiritual gift of prose is seen commonly among the prophets. You might wonder when you hear Saul and he's out there that says he's prophesying and they're, he's doing, they're like, he must be among the prophets. What was he doing? He wasn't just going, God is great and greatly to be praised. He was in what we would call today in our modern culture, he was like free flowing. You know, he was speaking about God's goodness in a poetic way. He was vividly describing the goodness of God. And they're looking at this, like, is Saul among the prophets? What's going on with him? Not just everybody can do that. Many of the major and minor prophets and those prophesying throughout scripture, although you can't see it because we're not Hebrew, they're speaking and writing in poetry. Their words were originally Written, obviously, in a language we don't know. And so we miss their alliteration. How many know what alliteration is? Alliteration is where you use a word like I just used, where vividly visualize. You use two V's in a row. And it kind of, that's alliteration, where you use the same letter. Sometimes you use the same sound. The same sound. It may be two different words, but they carry within them the same sound. That's alliteration. Meter, Right? I came upon a wishing well, the sky was cloudless blue, girl standing closely by my side, I from my pocket drew, a penny worth a priceless wish, I thought, and then I threw. I wrote that when I was 16, but anyway. <laughs> I won't give you the rest of it till later, but, but meter, you see what I'm saying? Can you kind of feel it? Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. You know, the song, the words, they're not being sung, there's no music to them, but they are written in meter, they're rhymes, they're other elements of the scriptures, the scriptures, isn't it amazing, Becky, that the scriptures rhyme and they use alliteration and we can't see it because we're not Hebrew. I've already taken you to Psalm 37. I called it what to do from A to Z because God inspired them to write A and the whole verse is about the letter A in Hebrew, but we can't see it because it's different in our letters and so forth and so on. Aleph, Beth, Beth, Aleph. Gamil, all of the different letters. These words had uh, the way that they saw these poems written and the way that they read them are very different than us. And we miss this 
poetic element because of our difference in language. Now, we certainly don't have time for a lesson on poetry today, but it is a worthy educational pursuit. I know maybe, you know, in your work of homeschooling, oh, do I want to do one more thing? Teach your kids some poetry for the love of all that's beautiful. Do it. Some of my favorite days were coming down and listening to my children. And kids, if you remember, you can jump in. The golden rod is yellow. The corn is turning brown. The trees in apple orchards with fruit are bending down. The gentian's bluest fringes are curling in the sun. In dusty pods, the milkweed, its hidden silk has spun. The sedges flaunt their harvest in every meadow nook. And asters by the brookside make asters in the brook. From dewy lanes at morning, the grape sweet odors rise. At noon, the roads all flutter with yellow butterflies. By all these lovely tokens, September days are here with summer's best of weather and autumn's best of cheer. But none of all this beauty which floods the earth and air is unto me the secret which makes September fair. Tis a thing which I remember to name its thrills me yet. One day of one September, I never can forget. You go, what what are you doing? I'm doing what they are doing in the Psalms that you can't see. Oh, Lord, I pray. Give us poets. Amen. One more. Can you guys handle one more? See if you can name this or the author. Okay. It's very short, but and I don't know why it would capture the hearts of so many, but it did. Whose woods are these? I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it's queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods and frozen lake the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sound, the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. Anybody remember who that is? (laughs) Honey, thank you for teaching my children poetry. Now, what's going on? I mean, I can almost see the horse going... And shaking and I can hear those bells. Can you do that? Can you almost hear that? And you see this horse, the horse, you can see the, the, you know, the fog coming out of its nostrils and the horse just being like, what is this guy doing? And the guy is sitting in the silence of his carriage, just going, oh, the wonder of it all. The beauty of it all. The silence of it all. The quietness of it all. Can you feel that? The other day when it was snowing and those big snows, I, I drove out and I went home the back way and I went down that road that goes over the bridge that goes towards Commercial Point and I felt so uh, overindulged. I don't really know what, but I was just like, I just don't want to even go home. I just want to sit in this car and look at the whiteness of God's glory all around. It reminds me of the cleanness and the beauty that God is making the world new. 
You might go, well, I just saw a cold snow. Well, ask God to give you eyes to see the beauty. In the movie Dead Poets Society, the late Robin Williams plays a professor who captures the hearts of a group of boys with the wonder and the importance of poetry. After seeing their eye rolls and their disinterest in his class, he finally has a breakthrough moment. If you've seen the movie, you can't forget this. Squatting down low to the ground in the midst of the crowd, he begins to talk to them in kind of a whisper. That's what you do when you want the people who are listening to listen even closer. He says, gentlemen, boys, he says, we do not read poetry and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race and the human race is filled with passion. Medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and they are necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, this is why we stay alive. It's what we live for. And then he begins to quote Walt Whitman. He said, oh me, oh life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, of myself forever reproaching myself, for who more foolish than I and who more faithless, of eyes that vainly crave the light, of the objects mean of struggles of ever renewed, of the poor results of all and the plotting sword crowds around me, of the empty and useless years of the rest, with the rest me intertwined, the question, O oh me, sad reoccurring, what good amid all of these, O oh me, O oh life? And what is the answer? That you are here, that life exists, that the powerful play goes on, and that you may contribute a verse. And I'm telling you, at this point, every young boy in that professor's classroom, they're like, what is going to be the verse that I contribute to life? What verse indeed, for there is no greater beauty than our Lord himself. He has made all things beautiful in his time. The great wonders that he has made are lovely, but there is something much more wonderful than the mountain peaks and the, the streams filled with, with white water crashing through them from the melting snow. There's something way more beautiful than that, Brother Steve. And it's him. He's beautiful. His words are brighter than the lightning itself. And the oceans that thunder proclaim his words. The heaven and earth declare, what do they declare, Sister Donna? But the glory of God. And if you look out and you can't see that, pray that God would give you eyes. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. And unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me. And as for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. 
Blessed is the man who thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. By terrible things in righteousness thou wilt answer us, O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea, which by his strength setteth fast the mountains, being girded with power, which sitteth the noise and stilleth the noise of the seas and the noise of their waves and the tumult of the people. They that dwell in the uttermost parts of the earth should fear at his wonders. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and the evening to rejoice. Thou visitest the earth and you water it. Thou greatly enriches it with the river of God, which is full of water and preparest them corn. Thou waterest the ridges, therefore, abundantly, and settlest the furrows thereof, and makes it soft with showers and blessedness of the springing thereof. The crown of the year is thy goodness, and thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. Can you see this poetry? The pastures are clothed with flocks, and the valleys are covered with corn, and those valleys shout for joy. And they sang. What a poem. What a song. Praise waiteth for thee, O Lord. Verse 1. And unto thee shall thy vow be performed. Here we see praise itself is pictured as a congregation gathering together, waiting for the Shekinah glory of God to come in their midst. On Mount Zion where David's palace, but more importantly where the tabernacle of God stood in David's time. What moments before was mere wood and gold and veils and animal skins, bread and lighted lamps and incense would be enlivened by God's particular appearance in their midst. It's kind of like being in the empty church. The empty church alone and of itself, it's just a building, but when God's people come here, it becomes a different place. It was in these times that these inanimate objects were employed in the divine service of God in the same way that we who were not a people, a disjointed and dysfunctional group of misfits amounting to little on our own, we come together and we come alive for the worship and the lifting up of the name of the Lord and we act as conduits of the Spirit of God. We are a sort of Jacob's ladder down which and through which God touches and changes the world. We who were sour springs now burst forth with rivers of life and healing. We who were crooked and barren trees have become trees of life by God's great river. And the unending fruit and the leaves that are given, the Bible tells us, for the healing of the nations. You tell me that's not poetry. God says we're trees of life and our leaves heal the nations. Talk about essential oils of God. Praise waits for thee, O God, in your holy mountain, Mount Zion of Jerusalem. Praise waits for thee, O God, in your church. The new Jerusalem come down from God to the the new earth that you are making through us all. Praise waits for thee, O God. 
It is unto thee, O Lord, that our vows will be performed. Our lifted hands are not held up in ritual and rite, but like the branches of the mighty oaks, they are held up to you, O God, like Aaron and Hur that held up Moses' hands. Lord, we, the trees of your righteousness, sway in the wind of your spirit, and we sing of your mercy so that the rocks will keep silent. It is unto you that we perform our vows, great Father of lights. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall thy vows be performed. O that thou hearest, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come, all flesh, every knee bowing and every tongue confessing the glory of the Son of God, in turn glorifying the Father. Verse 3, iniquities prevail against me, as for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. David here is crying out in the midst of looking at the glory of God. He is reminded of his own sinfulness. But even when he's reminded of his sinfulness, it reminds him of the goodness of God. Oh God, I'm a man of unclean lips and unclean hands. Sin gets the best of me and often rules me. But though my sins are scarlet, you shall make them white as wool. Purge me and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. For thy loving kindness is better than life. Imagine even in the midst of your sin and the filth that you are covering, if you even saw the dirt on your hands from your own sin and you said, it reminds me that God is good because he's going to wash me. He's going to clean me. He's going to bring me into his presence one day. He will call me righteous. He will do what the father did to the prodigal and he will put the robe on my back. He will invite me into his home and there will be a feast for me who deserve no feast at all. Would be to God that our sins reminded us not of our pathetic nature, but of the greatness of our God. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. It reminds me of David saying that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and acquire in his temple. Because in the midst of his temple, if my father and my mother, they forsake me, the Lord will take me up. If everyone comes against me, I can run into God and there I will find a refuge. You choose us, O oh Lord. We did not choose you. We were not seeking you and you sought for us. You called us out of darkness and in the midst of our hopeless estate, too weak and without strength to find our way to you, your everlasting love rescued us. Oh, if that ain't a poem, if that ain't something to sing about, Walt Whitman doesn't know anything about that. You not only died for us when we were without strength to even call on you, but then after you found us, you gave us the strength to come to you. To call on you. And then you answered. That's what David is saying. He blesses the man that God chooses that then makes us able to come to him and then calls us to call on him. Why? So he can answer us. Oh, the goodness of God. Oh, may it overwhelm us today. 
You saved us, O Lord, but not just from our sins. I keep saying, and I'm going to keep saying, I probably say, you'll say, Mark, you say that every week. Well, get used to it. Lord, you didn't save us just to save us from our sins. You saved us to something. We could have been your servants, but but into your house, you brought us as your sons and daughters so that we could sit at your table. So that we could eat of your food. So that we could inherit as sons and daughters all that is yours. And with these things we will not merely be saved from starvation. We will be satisfied until we want no more. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Here's my cup, I lift it up and make me whole. This is a song from my youth. Here's my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Here's my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. That's what David is singing. Verse 5, by terrible things and righteousness wilt thou answer us. O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all of the ends of the earth and of them that are afar upon the sea. The awesomeness of God. His vast, unapproachable greatness will come to our aid in the times of trouble when we call on Him. For when we call, He answers. The thundering herds of God's answers shake the earth when His people, who are called by His name, humble themselves and pray and seek His face. Then indeed the Bible tells us we will hear from heaven. The sounds of heaven are the rolling of thunder, the mighty clap of lightning, the shaking Of the whole earth and the blast of his hurricane force winds. I learned this week that one hurricane produces more than 10,000 of the largest nuclear weapons that we have in the world from one of God's blowing storms. Oh God of our salvation, we pray expecting you to come to us and we will not be disappointed. Some men trust in chariots and others in horses, but we will trust In the name of the Lord. Verse 6. Which by his strength settleth fast the mountains. Being girded with power. You see it's his mighty power that holds the mountains in their places. And that is why even if we have just a little bit of faith. The faith the size of a mustard seed. That we can see the mountains removed and cast into the sea. Because he's holding them there. They have no strength in themselves, for there is no power other than God. And those that seem to have power were given it by God. Remember Pilate talking to Jesus. 
He didn't know who Jesus was. Don't you understand, Jesus? I have the power to crucify you or to let you go. And Jesus reminded him, Pilate, (laughs) you have no power. And if you have it, God gave it to you. At another time in John, he said, I, no man takes my life. I give it. I freely lay it down and I can take it up if I want to. Folks, these are not words. This is poetry. This is truth. This is power. We can stand in the face of our enemies and they may seem like what they are. They may boast of their greatness, but we can go, let me just tell you, you don't have any power. You tell us we can't worship. You tell us we can't live for God. You tell us we can't do this and that. Well, you know what? If God allows you to throw me in prison, kind of sounds like a guy I know in the Bible. You know what, oh king, you can do it. You can throw me in the fiery furnace if you want to. But nevertheless, we will not bow down to you. Our God is able to deliver us from the fire. And if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down to you. And would it be that they said, oh my goodness, I thought we threw in just a few, but there's, there's somebody else walking around in the fire. Oh, Heavenly Father, you have all the power. And because of this, so do we. Verse 7, which stilleth the noise of the seas and the noise of their waves and the tumult of the people. You know, God's word is oftentimes comparing the noise of the sea and to the noise of the world. The world out there, it's loud and it brags and it boasts and it rails against God. And God, in the same way that Jesus did, what did he say? Peace be still. And they were amazed that even the wind and the waves obey him because he is the master of the wind. He gives me peace in the midst of my storm tossed life. He is an anchor. He's a rock to put my faith upon. Jesus arrives in my vessel and I feel no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of my storm. You know that song? He gives me peace in the midst of my storm. Toss life, he's an anchor, he's a rock to put my faith upon. Jesus arrives in my vessel, and I feel no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of my storm. If you don't know songs like that, you should learn them. Because I'll tell you what, they come in handy. When you're in tears and you feel hopeless, when you're Pastor Nang and you're at your house and there's a city's burning and there's blood running through your street. He gives me peace in the midst of my storm-tossed life. He's an anchor. He's a rock to build my faith upon. 
We've got to have songs and poems like that. Verse 8, they that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and the evenings to rejoice. Sunrise and sunsets are songs of love for the majesty of their creator. Haven't we, Beck, seen? We've seen the sunrise in Mandalay and set in Begone or the other way around, right? We saw it rise in Begone and set in Mandalay on a beautiful day in Myanmar. Did we not? And guess what, honey? They can't stop that. It'll rise. It'll warm them. And they can't block that out. They are like the beginning and the ending of the song that is called the day. His wonders strike fear in the hearts of men. Liquid rock runs like rivers and continues to burn even when it is under the waves of the sea. Exploding mountains hurl their dust so far into the sky that remnants can be seen in the sunsets and the skyscapes for months and sometimes even years. Nothing man can do can approach his awesome power. But as true as it is that he is all-powerful and omnipotent, what is just as true is that his goodness knows no limits. Verse 9, thou visitest the earth, you water it, you greatly enrich it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest corn, and when thou hast provided so for it, drops and torrents of much needed water come time and again to bring life upon the earth. And not only does this happen with mere water, it also is the work of the river of God full of the waters of his goodness in our lives. God rains down his goodness to the corn and fills its kernels with goodness. And we, as his greatest creation, water. He waters us with his love and his mercy. Verse 10, thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. There's that word again, abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. And thou blessest the springing thereof. He is giving an image and a beauty of God's goodness. You know, rain comes and sometimes it comes scary. And he goes, but sometimes it just comes soft and beautiful. And when the earth is full, I don't know if you know this, if you're not really acquainted, if you're not that much of an outdoor person, if you don't know about the springs, that's when the springs begin to bubble from up from the ground. And he's picturing this gentle bubbling of the water that comes from the ground, clean and pure. As it gently falls on the earth, he begins to bubble it out. It's showing the gentleness and the loveliness of God. More than we need, our cups overflowing. We have enough to meet our needs, enough to satisfy our souls and enough to share with others. This is who and what God is. And this is worthy of our greatest songs and our poems. And it is certainly worthy of the poetry of praise. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. He sees the year, the whole year, the, the, the 12 months, the 365 days as having a crown. Wearing the crown of the glory of God with thy goodness and thy paths drop. Fatness. We know what it would be like for dew to come down, but he's saying it's not just dew, it's oil. (laughs) 
You know, we know that in the garden that God, there wasn't any rain, but it just came up as a mist and watered everything. And he says, God doesn't just bring us rain and he doesn't just bring us water, but our God drops fatness down. There's oil that comes down like the dew upon the mountains, the mist from God that watered the garden of Eden settles on everything, making it royal and grand day after day, week after week, month after month, all year long and crowns it with his beauty. Crowns it with his goodness, following his ways. His dew comes not down just as water, but it comes as oil. Behold, it says in Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and the dew that descended upon the mountains, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life. Evermore. Verse 12, they drop down upon thy pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. Could you, how many of you see the hills and you see them rejoicing? The grasslands that feed the cattle, the sheep, the deer and the goats, even the camels sing thanksgiving to God for his goodness because his, his blessings cause their food to grow up from the earth, filling the cool pools that refresh them from the sun. Liquid life comes down from God and causes the earth to sing. And this is a picture of how God's word should be for us. None of them fall to the ground, but they accomplish that which he has sent them to perform. We, his people, the sheep of his pasture, fill ourselves with the goodness and the fatness that God rains down upon us. Amen. The pastures are clothed. Picture the pastures being dressed, dressed with what? The flocks, the animals, the beauty. The pastures are clothed with the flocks. The valleys are covered with the corn. They shout for joy. I remember driving to Nebraska in the summertime last year and seeing the fields. You guys know the words of that song? What's that song? America, the beautiful. Right. God shed his grace on thee. You guys, you guys ever listen to those words? Oh, purple mountains, majesty. Above the fruited plain. America, right? And he's singing, God, that's what this is happening here. God shed his grace on thee and crowned thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. I wish I had the words right here before me. And he goes on to, to name the different elements and, and the people and the beauty. And they begin to see the nation as a singer. <laughs> I love it. That's poetry, my friends. And it's beauty and it's praise. The dirt springs forth with grass from his water. The flocks can live because of his, this grace. And all that comes from his perfect gift caused creation to shout for joy and sing the songs of his glory and his honor. A shout and a song. Sometimes a song and even a poem is not quite enough. Sometimes we just shout for joy. 
If you've, if you've never done it, if you've never been in a place where you've been that happy, oh, you're just missing out. Where you just go outside and I won't do it in here. I won't scare you because my shouts are very, very loud. But there's, I, sometimes I'm like, I look around, I'm just like, I got to get out of this house. I got to go somewhere that I'm not going to hurt anybody because I just got to go. And I, I won't do it. I'll, I don't want to scare you. But if you don't think that God sees that, and if you don't think that God loves that, and if you don't understand that that's praise to God, you're missing out. You're missing out. I remember being in the Lake District of England with my lovely wife, and I was so thankful that God allowed us to be there. And we came out of the Giggling Goose restaurant. And there was this babbling brook that came from the restaurant down this stream with all these rocks in it, and it went down to the thing, and there was a double... Decker bridge that went over a creek that was and the house was made of stone. It was two stories. And, it, and I'm like, <laughs> my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I never seen anything like this. I never imagined anything was ever like this. I started seeing the doxology. What will people do? Well, what, who cares what those people do? <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Folks, that wasn't written by somebody who doesn't understand about the blessings of God. Praise God, all you creatures, right? That's what David is talking about. About the poetry of praise. May our lives and mouths be filled with the poetry of praise. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, I do believe that we have heard the joy in the poetry of Psalm 65 today. I pray that it would be our song, our anthem, that we would long to be poets for you. That our words, Lord, that could be used in so many different ways, could sing of your mercy, could sing of your grace, could lift up your name. Lord, I pray that we would be those lovely fountains that spring forth with sweet water, that we would be the rivers of life, that we would indeed ourselves be the light of the world, and that our words indeed would bring forth life as your words do. Oh, Lord, may we shut our mouths to words that hurt. May we shut our mouths to our complaints. May we shut our mouths to all the things that the world would have us open them to and open them to you, O Lord, in your goodness and your mercy. I will sing of your love forever. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.